Porter has a partnership with uh, Sin Cincinnati. We have a church in Springboro, Ohio that we'll be doing a mission trip with uh, later this uh, year. We encourage you to participate in that. Uh, but we want the gospel of Jesus Christ to be known, not only in our city, but around the world. Through the month of April, we'll be taking up an offering, which we call uh, the Annie Armstrong Easter offering. All of that offering goes to support our church planting uh, and, and mission endeavors in North America. So we encourage you to pray about that, and throughout the month of April, uh, you can give to that offering if you so choose. We'd love for you to do that. If you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 3 today. Uh, we're going to spend some time in Romans chapter 3. Today, we're going to be talking about the doctrine of justification. Uh, and, in li- and unlike some doctrinal issues, justification is really not a hard concept to understand. In its very simplest terms, justification means to be made right or to declare, or to be declared right with God. You know, and, and the question I guess people would have is, how is a person made right with God? You know, how, how can a person know when God's really pleased with them, that he's with them, uh, that he'll take them to heaven when they, when they die? In my opinion, this is the central issue for man, and it should be the central topic for a church. There's nothing greater that we can spend our time on. There's nothing more important than we can think about than how is a person made right with God. But what I find in churches is we don't spend a lot of time talking about this topic. Uh, you, you can go to a church uh, all across our nation today, and, and you will find people talking about a lot of topics, but the doctrine of justification by faith won't be one of the primary topics. And I thought about, why is this? If this is the most important doctrine, which I would say it is, how are you right with God? And and this is the most important thing that's going to affect you for eternity, which it will. Are are you going to go to heaven because you're right with God? We should be talking about this a lot, but we don't. Why don't we? Well, I think some churches would simply say, you know, it's just really not an attractive topic to unchurched people and it seems like their goal is to get as many people in the door as they can and hope that somehow the god stuff wears off on them so but they don't talk about it much now i i really believe there's not that many churches with this mentality uh but but there are others who would say justification is really important but that's just not where people live and so you hear more sermons on doing life together. That's really in style now, talking about we're, gonna, we're just doing life together. Or you'll hear sermons on how to have healthy relationships. Or you'll hear sermons on, on how to have less stress in your life or how to raise your kids so that they'll move out and pay their own way. You know, you hear sermons on all of these important topics like that. And, and I'm not trying to throw rocks because we have to help people know how to live out their faith. And so we have to deal with these topics, and we do. But guys, these topics are secondary, and they're dependent on the doctrine of justification. I I think a lot of pastors don't talk much about justification because we assume everybody knows it all. You know, everybody knows everything there is to know about being right with God. Maybe, but as I listen to people talk about how a person's right with God, I hear a a lot of misguided answers, even in our churches. You know, I hear people in our pews saying, man, you just need to live a good life. You know, if you treat people right, then you'll go to heaven. If you're a good neighbor, you know, you'll, you'll go to heaven. If you pick up after your dog when you walk through the neighborhoods, you'll go, you know, if you... I hear a lot of misguided answers. Some people would say, well, if you don't hurt people, you'll go to heaven. 
you know, it's close to living a good life, but it's basically as long as I don't do anything that gets in anybody else's way, then me and the big guy, we're all right. Like God's a libertarian. You know, as, as long as you don't bother anybody else, it's all good. Others would say, if you, if you have sincere faith, for many people it's not about what you believe as much as it is if you believe something. You know, if you're a sincere person, then, then God will accept you. You know, the idea is that, that God would never reject a person who's authentic. Other people would say that you're right with God if you're a religious person. You know, on the flip side of, of, uh, of, uh, of, of, of just be a good person, live a good life, is a person who says you've got to do religious things. Uh, keep the five pillars of Islam. Follow the eight steps to enlightenment. Follow the laws of Moses. And even Christians do this, don't we? Get baptized, go to church, say your prayers, and you'll be right with God. You know, Christians, we, we fall prey to this works-based religion all the time. If you don't believe it, go to a funeral home sometime. Go to a funeral home of a, a lady who's about 80 years old. She's lived a good life. She went to church. She was a good neighbor. She made good pie, you know. And, uh, and listen to what people say in her casket. You'll hear something like this. Man, if anybody's going to be in heaven... It's going to be her. How come? She lived a good life. She was a good neighbor. Went to church. Didn't bother people. These opinions are not new. By the early 1500s, the church was filled with people who believed that justification was tied to man's effort. And this was the central issue in the Reformation. At, the, at this time, in the 1500s, the Catholic Church was selling forgiveness, and if people would pay indulgences, they, they were promised by the clergy that they and or their loved ones would escape punishment in purgatory, and they'd be right with God. And this, this practice went on for years until people got more access to the Bible, and as they started looking at the Bible and reading the Bible, they said, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible doesn't say you're made right by, by paying indulgences or by working really hard or by doing religious things. The reformers said the Bible says that you're made right by trusting God. And so, so they came out with this, the, these, these five statements, these five solas, which is simply a Latin word that means only statements, alone statements. And we're going to look at three of them over the next few weeks. They came out and they said that a person is made right with God by faith alone. Sola fide. The only way you're right with God is if you transfer your trust from yourself to Christ. And they said that it was by grace alone, sola gratia, that, that a person is made right with God. And of course they said, and it is by Christ alone. And Romans 3 that we're going to look at today became a focal passage of the reformers and they believed that it held the essence of the gospel that the church had been entrusted with. Verse 21. But now, apart from God's law, God's righteousness has been revealed. And it's attested by the law and the prophets. And that is God's righteousness through faith in Christ Jesus to all who believe, since there's no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And they are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Today we're going to break this great passage down just word by word. 
And and we're going to learn from it. But before we do, let me set the context uh, for this passage in the book of Romans. Uh, Romans is a great book, but chapters 1 through 3 are tough. They're not the rosiest passages that you'll ever read. In fact, let me tell you, chapter 1 basically says, you're, you're a sinner, you're a bad sinner, you're a worse sinner than you ever thought you could possibly be, you're as bad a sinner as you can possibly be. That's what Romans 1 says. And then you turn to Romans chapter 2 and he talks about people who go to church and you can almost hear Paul saying, oh, you go to church, you're worse than people who don't go to church. And then when you get to chapter 3, he says, by the way, it's not just you who are in church, it's everybody in the whole world. And so Paul's point is that all men are trapped in their sin, the religious and the non-religious, and they deserve God's wrath. And by the time you get to chapter 3, you get this sense of hopelessness and this really dark outlook on humanity. And Paul wants you to have that. I I hope everybody in here understands that is the intent of Romans 1 to 3, to show you how bad our life is separated from Christ. He wants you to feel lower than a sewer slug. He wants you to feel like there's no hope. And, And maybe you didn't need Paul's help. Maybe you know you're a sinner. You didn't need to read Romans 1 through 3. You know. You you know that you cheated on your husband. You know that you're an absent dad. You know that that you lie all the time. Or or you know that you're trapped in drugs. Or you feel the, the, the bitterness and anger from past hurts. Well, welcome to the club. Paul says that's all of us. But then there's this huge transition in verse 21. And he he says, but now apart from the law, God's righteousness has been revealed. If Paul were texting, this would be in all caps. You know, he wants you to know, this is big, huge news. He says, we can have a, a righteousness, and that simply means to have right standing. Justification is to be made right. Righteousness is is that state of being right. Now, we know what it means for somebody to have right standing. If I say, hey, are you in good standing with your work? You know what that means. If I say, are you good in good standing with your wife? You know what that means. If, are you good standing with your kids? We know what that means. There's no problems. There's no tension when we get together. We know when they're talking about us behind our back, it's good. Because everything's right. And Paul says that you can have right standing with God. Where at any moment, at any place... No matter what's going on, you know that things are okay with you and God. And some of you might say, oh yeah, I know me and the big guy, we're okay. But when you're alone, you're not sure. When you're not trying to put on the front because you just want other people to think you're okay, you don't know if you're all right with God. You don't know when you lay your head down at night if things are okay. Guys, being right with God should not be wishful thinking. We can and should have a confidence that we are right with God. But the big question of of Paul's day and the big question of the Reformers' day is the same big question that people have now. How do you get right with God? And the Bible says we get right with God apart from the law. Paul's audience knew exactly what he was saying. they, They knew the Ten Commandments and they believed that righteousness was attained by keeping the Ten Commandments. And Paul said, it's not about keeping the Ten Commandments. It's not about keeping any commandments. The righteousness that comes from God is apart from the law. And this is hard. It's hard for us because 
because our world is built around keeping the rules. We, we, we believe that not so much that people are rewarded for the good they do, but we believe they're punished for the bad they do, right? I mean, you know, you in school, they didn't check all the right ones and circle those and star those. They X the wrong ones. You know, and then at home, you, you weren't rewarded, you know, for, for the things you did good. You were usually reminded about the things that you left undone. And, and next week's April 15th, right? Yeah. The IRS doesn't say, oh man, Nick paid his taxes on time. He's awesome. They don't do that. You know, uh, they only pay attention if you do wrong. By the way, for our senior citizens out here, and I'm including myself almost in that now, there are scammers out now who are calling you. If y'all got any of these phone calls and saying, hey, it's the IRS, you've got four major problems on your IRS, and if you don't do something about it, we're within two hours, we're coming to get you. I want to promise you the IRS is not going to give you warning if they're coming to get you. <laughs> All right? It's a scam. Don't listen to them. Because we're punished when we do wrong, not when we, we, we do right. Uh, rewarded when we do right and we, we learn that we have to earn our way if we're going to keep our job we've got to show up on time and do good stuff if we're going to stay in good graces with our families we've got to do the right thing if we're going to get to go out on the weekend we've got to do what our no wonder when it comes to God when we, th- we think we have to earn it but the gospel message is different the gospel message is that God's righteousness comes apart from the law and I, I want to remind you of what the Bible says. This is not your righteousness. It's God's righteousness. It's a righteousness that comes from him. He repeats this in verse 22 to make sure you get this. This is God's. It's from God. It's owned by God. And you do not determine whether or not what righteousness is. God determines what righteousness is. This righteousness is owned by him. And this is a huge paradigm shift This verse, in verse 21, apart from the law of God's righteousness, this is a huge change. You know, a paradigm shift, that was a popular term in the 90s, wasn't it? You know, it kind of was created. uh, It's almost common vernacular now, but it's a a major movement from one way of thinking to a completely new one. You know, when I was growing up, we, we drank water out of the tap. My daughters can't even imagine drinking water out of tap. How gross. You know, you drink it out of a bottle like God made it, you know? <laughs> no, we had wired communication when, you know, I was, you know, I, we got the internet at my second church, you know, and we were plugged in and wired and now everybody's looking around, hey, what's the wireless password? How do we get on? That's the world in which we live. A paradigm shift is occurring here in Romans chapter 3. It's a paradigm shift from working to please God to placing your faith in God. And basically, he says you can have a right standing with God that is from God, and it comes how? Through faith in Christ Jesus. And this is an 8.0 on the religious earthquake scale. He is shaking the world up with this message. The old way of thinking was you have to fix yourself. Be good, earn your way. But the new way of thinking is in Christ Jesus, you You can have new life by putting your trust in him. And then he really shakes things up. He says that this righteousness comes through faith in Jesus Christ and it comes to all who believe. This wasn't a Jewish message. 
It was also for Gentiles. And by the way, this isn't an American message. It's a message for all the nations. And it's not a good person message. It's for all people, no matter where you've been, what you've gone through, who you've hurt, who you've disappointed. And the Bible says that anyone can have a right standing with God. All people are invited to receive the message of Christ and be changed. And this is true in any culture. It's true for any political persuasion. It's true for any nationality. And it's true for anyone who will receive the message of Jesus Christ. You will be right with God if you receive this message. It comes to all who believe. And there is no distinction. I know some people seem really good and some people see really bad, seem really bad. And I get that. I, I've got good neighbors and I've got bad neighbors. Don't you? You know? I've got the, this scale in my mind. Some people uh, d- deserve my friendship. Some people don't. Some people are good citizens. Some people are not. But the Bible says there's really no distinction. Because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Guys, we are sinners. We've intentionally ignored the rule of God. We've willfully broke His law And let me remind you, we live in a world where my kids didn't mean to do it, they just made a mistake. We we live in a world where we don't call people sinners anymore who willfully, intentionally break the law that's written on their heart. We say we're mistakers, right? We just mess up every now and then. But the Bible doesn't call us mistakers. The Bible says we are sinners. We know what is right and we choose to do what is wrong. We know what is wrong and we choose to do what is right. We have all sinned. And because of this sin, we have fallen short of the glory or the greatness of God. And we're nowhere near what God intended for us to be. And here's the catch. Once you broke the vase, you can't fix it. Once you've messed up, it's messed up. You can't get it back. You, you, you can live the rest of your life hoping that God will grade you on the curve, hoping that it will work out. You can live your entire life wondering, will I make it or not? But you can't fix your problem. And Paul says, listen, we're all failures, but I have news. Failures are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. I love that word, justified Freely. You know, you know what he means by freely? It's free. Free, 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 free. Right? Completely, 100% free. It's a gift. No strings. No, I'll give it to you if you're good enough. No, if you behave the rest of your life, I'll give it to you. It's free. There's nothing you can do to deserve it. And why does God do this? Because he is a grace-filled God. He is a gift-giving God. He loves giving gifts to His creation. And He gives us this grace through the redemption of Jesus Christ. Our right standing comes through Christ alone. Redemption is like you owed me $50 and don't have money. And someone comes up to you and says, Hey, I'll pay it for you. I can promise you, I don't care. I'll take it from them just like I take it from you. Right? 
I, I, I'm thankful for that. You know, if, if you get a speeding ticket, the government doesn't care who gives you the money to pay for it. They just want the payment made. We have sinned against God. We had a debt that we couldn't pay, and it had to be paid in the gospel messages that God made payment on our behalf. He sent His Son for us so that, so that we could be justified by His grace. And it cost us nothing. And here's how it works. God presented his son as a propitiation for our sins, as an atoning, atoning sacrifice for our sins. We, we understand atonement and we want to make up when we do wrong. When we fall short, we think, I should have done this, I should have done that. I shouldn't have gone to that party. I should have spent more time on my homework, more time with my kids. I should have been kinder to my wife, given more to church, been a better dad, etc., And immediately we start to think, what can I do to make up for it? I mean, that's what we do. We try to make up for the mess that we made. And we do the same with God. We sense that there's disconnects, so we try to do something. We say, man, I'm going to start reading my Bible, and that's going to make me right. Or I'm going to start coming to church, and that's going to make me right. Or I'm going to start doing good things and volunteering in organizations, and that's going to make me right. You can't make up for your sin. There's not a thing you can do to make yourself right. There's a real debt and there's a disconnect. But God presented him. He gave him. He gave a gift to you. And it's received. How? Through faith in his blood. God says the moment you trust me. And put your faith in the gift that I've given to you by Jesus Christ sacrificially dying on the cross for your sin. In that moment, you and I are right. I'm okay with you. We have a right standing. You can't, you, 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 your sin can't mess you up because my son has taken sin out of the equation. Parents experience this all the time. We have, we have this built-in illustration about grace. Our kids mess I know your kids don't mess up. My kids, uh, you know, I mean, they messed up once, I think, you know, right? But our kids mess up and they disappoint us and they don't do what we want them to do or they, they say something they shouldn't say or they act out in ways that they shouldn't act and, and, and we get frustrated with them. But I never say, that's it, I'm writing you off. You're not my kid anymore. I don't want anything to do with you. They were given to me as a gift. They were my child and they will be my child until they die. And they will always be loved by me. Now they all the time try to make up for their wrong. Just like I try to make up for my wrong. You know, I didn't show up as often as I should at my parents' house. And so, man, I'm going to get home this weekend because I want my mom and dad to love me. Let me, my two daughters, close your ears. I'm going to love them whether they make up for it or not. My mom's going to love me whether I make up for my wrong or not. Because I'm hers. The girls are mine. I love them. And we have been bought with a price. We are Christ's chosen children. He loves us. Don't cheapen grace by thinking you've got to make up for it and you've got to earn it and you've got to deserve it. A, you can't. And B, you will constantly be frustrated. Rest in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Trust in His goodness. The gospel is right standing with God is not because of what you do, it's because of what He did. And that message is available to all and yet people resist this message all the time. I mean... 
As a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ, it bewilders me why people would not receive the free gift of Jesus and bask in His love. Why do people resist the gospel? Let me share with you some things I thought of this week. Number one, there's just an offensiveness to the word alone. You know, sola fide, sola gratia, sola Christus. It's, it's not grace and faith in Christ that offend. It's alone offense. Anytime someone says there's only one way to do something, immediately we start trying to figure out another way because we don't like alone. And besides, all religions in the world can't be wrong. There's many ideas about how to be right with God, and billions of people believe differently. How can we think that our way is the only way? It seems arrogant, and then I get that sentiment. But it's flawed thinking on a couple of levels. Let me give them to you. Number one, multiple choice does not mean multiple correct answers. Right? Number two, People say there's so many ways, how can there only be one way? That's just flawed thinking because there's not a lot of ways, there's only two ways. There are only two ways. You either get right with God by doing something, or you get right with God by God doing something. You work hard and get there, or God does something for you. Those are the only two ways. Justification uh, is not based on what we do according to Scripture. It's based on what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. And let's be honest, if being right with God is based on what you do, you've already proven that you can't pull that off. You've messed that up time and time and time again. But there's another reason people reject, and that's because we don't like to hear that we messed it up and we can't fix it because we are prideful people. We're going to talk a lot more about grace next week, but we struggle receiving gifts. We believe that we have to earn what we get, pay our way. And when we get a gift, we we think, well, it just doesn't work that way. Along this vein, many people get to the place where they say, I just don't deserve that. Well, no one does. And that's the beauty of the gospel. And let me tell you a little secret. I want you to get to the place where you think you don't deserve it. You're at a good place to finally get it. It's when you get broken to the point that you think you have no hope. That's when hope moves in and takes over in your life. The kingdom of God has never been populated by the worthy. It is those who recognize their own unworthiness and realize how far they fall short. These are the ones to whom grace is available. And it's a big deal if you get this, because if you don't understand justification, your devotion will suffer. If your concept of justification includes your effort, you know, it's God's working, but I have to work too. Even if you think it's only a little bit up to you, if you believe that your being right with God is based on what you do, whether it's going to church, reading the Bible, giving a lot, being nice to your dog, whatever, either pride or depression will set in. Pride because you'll take credit for whatever good you might think you do or depression because you'll realize how far short you fall on your own. Anything but salvation by grace through faith will ultimately leave you lacking security. You'll always wonder if you're good enough. Because I don't trust me, I put my whole confidence in Christ alone and in His grace alone. And because of this, guys, I'll be honest with you. 
for the last 36 years now, I've gone to bed and never wondered if I died where I was going to be. I've worried about living a lot. I've never worried about dying. Yeah. I, I, I wondered how things were going to work out. You know, I've worried, are we going to have air conditioner next week? I worry about stupid stuff like that all the time. But I never worry about where I'm going to go when I die. Because I've put my faith in Christ and I no longer trust Nick Sandifer. I trust Jesus Christ. I, I don't trust, what, what's the hymn writer say? Even the sweetest frame of my life. That week where I didn't get up at the wrong time in church and, and give the wrong announcement. That week where I conjugated all the verbs right in my sermon. That week when the illustrations came off just perfectly. That week when I kept my quiet time and my thought life and my, and my responses to people. That when I kept all of those in check, I don't trust the sweetest frame in my life to get me to heaven. I trust what Christ has done. It is not about me. It's about Him. And if you believe your salvation is Jesus plus something, you'll always wonder if you've added enough. Did you add enough? That's why this is a big deal. How different is your Christian life when you rest in Jesus? Here's the big deal, though. A wrong view of justification causes people to miss heaven. That's the big deal. Jesus said, in that day, many will call to me, haven't I done many wonders in your name? Haven't I cast out demons in your name? And he'll say, depart from me, I never knew you. You trusted you, not me. You can't do enough. To get to heaven and if you think you can you need to know that God will not allow the proud to enter period the proud will never enter into the kingdom of heaven so I would encourage you resist taking credit for your standing before God I feel like I've so inadequately talked to you today about this but there's not one of you here who are good enough. You're not close. You know, I know many of you, and I know you're not close. And the ones I don't know, I know you're not close either. Because I know what happens in here. And I know what happens in here. And there's not a good person in here. Only God is good. You will not get to heaven on your own. Resist taking credit for your righteousness. Rest in the fact that it's not up to you. And this is good news. It's not up to me. It's up to Christ. And that changes the way I live. Of course it changes the way I live. And I love Him because He loves me. I want to serve Him because He gave His life for me. But it's not up to me. It's up to Him. And then today, if you're here and you've never put your faith in Christ, I would encourage you to transfer your trust to Jesus and His gospel. He will save you, and when you put your head down at night, you'll know too. It's all right, because I have right standing with God. Let's pray.